of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while, the house lies, while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns a wage does not put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain, and the hills on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and all their labors. Father, as we come today, I pray that you would quiet our hearts from the distractions and busyness of our lives so we can focus in and worship you, so that we can praise your name on high. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have given us these opportunities to come and praise you, to magnify your name, to worship you as our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand? Most blessed, most glorious thing. 
himself in light as with a garment. He spreads out the heavens and walks on the wings of the wind. He sends forth the springs from the valleys that flow between mountains. The birds of the air dwell by the Lifting their voices in song, singing glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. All praises. sun knows its setting. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God. As long as I live, Praises to the Lord, O oh my soul, singing glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. All
has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has ever conceived the glorious things that you have prepared for everyone who has believed you brought us near and you called us your own and made us joint heirs with your soul. How high and how wide, how deep and how long, how sweet and how strong is your love. How lavish your grace, how faithful your ways, how great is your love, O Objects of mercy who should have known wrath were filled with unspeakable joy. Riches of wisdom, unsearchable wealth, and the wonder of knowing your voice. You are our treasure and our great reward, our hope and our glory. strong is your love, how lavish your grace, how faithful your ways, how great is your love, O Lord, how high and how wide, how deep and how long, how sweet and how strong is your love, how lavish your grace. How faithful your ways, how great is your love, O storm he is lord lord 
cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Would you please be seated? Moving on to announcements this morning, if you have your bulletins, there's a few additions here as we get closer to our fall ministries. Uh, this week, the ladies' Bible study will resume um, Tuesday the 16th at 10 a.m. here at the church, so ladies, you're invited to attend that. For Operation Christmas Child, obviously it's not set up right now because we have everything for potluck set up, but we are collecting flip-flops and school supplies this month. That's kind of our focus. You can put those and drop those off in the box as you get those. We are having a potluck after the service today, so feel free to stay and enjoy. Even if you didn't bring anything, it's okay. Come for the fellowship and the food. Uh, tomorrow we have a governing board meeting, 7 o'clock here at the church. Wednesday, August 24th from 7 to 8.30, there's going to be a Sunday school teacher meeting. Here at the church, um, teachers are going to meet to organize classrooms, kind of connect on the curriculum and the schedules to make sure that everybody's on the same page for that. So if you're signed up to be teaching this upcoming year, you're going to need to put that date down. I'm sure Beth and Jean has gotten a hold of you as well to make sure on those dates. Since that is the 24th, um, I know some of you I had told in person, but youth group is going to then start on the 31st instead of the 24th. Uh, so youth group ages 7th grade to 12th grade meet 6.30 here at the church. We go to 8. You can stop in a little bit beforehand. That first week is going to be kind of icebreaker type games. Um, so don't wear your best clothing. Depending on the weather, you might get wet. You might get muddy. You never know. So uh, feel free to come August 31st, 6.30 to 8 o'clock is when youth group is, and that's when we're going to have that kickoff here at the church. Are there any other announcements? Esther. Thank you for that update, Esther, on the numbers from five-day clubs this past summer. Any other announcements? All right, we'll move on to our share in prayer time. So if you have any prayer requests or praises that you would like to share, uh, do so at this time. Jeff. So not a lot of details out yet, but there was a gunman that escaped and went into a church in Winterset, Iowa this morning at a Lutheran church. Uh, so possible hostage situations. I know that there's negotiators 
that are headed that way as well. So I'm going to keep that community in your prayers. Jen's dad in prayer for dealing with cold and getting to the tail end of that now. Troy. Thank you, Troy. Just to praise about how God's timing is perfect. And Troy is actually from my first church in Ohio, and he just happened to be passing through the area today. So he's joining us on his way back to Ohio. (laughs) If you don't know it by now, you don't know it then. (laughs) Too late to go back on it. Jill, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a bell? Do you need one? <laughs> Good. Other requests? Courtney. Dave loves to sing. He's he's not even sitting in his normal seat. Do you have to go to the bathroom, Dave? Is, is that where you're? We sang last week. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> Any more takers? Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Ella. All right, other requests or praises? Molly. Traveling Mercies for Molly is going to be going to Nevada, first time on a plane. This Thursday, you said? Wednesday. that they're back safe. Tammy? Just continuing to lift up Elijah's family as he passed away, and the funeral was this past week. Jenny. <laughs> what about the state of California? <laughs> little victories, got to hold on to those. So praise that the players were approved for fostering in the state of Iowa. 
let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Um, as you feel led to pray for any of these requests or praises or other, thing that's, other things that the Lord puts on your mind, do so, and after a short time, I will close. Father, as we continue, Lord, we just we want to praise you for the different times that we get to celebrate, whether that's birthdays that are happening this week or anniversaries. Uh, Lord, that you would just continue to allow us to take part in the small things, um, to be mindful of those and to be able to see you moving in our lives in those. Lord, we want to lift up Molly to you as she travels this week, that you would just keep her safe, that you would calm any nerves that she has, and that you would just allow her uh, a good time of rest, a time away to spend with some friends. We're thankful that the players were approved in the state of Iowa. Um, Lord, it's still such a big mess, and we just pray for the kids that are involved, um, that they'd be where you need them to be right now. 
pray for the court systems and everything that's just kind of being held up right now. Lord, we just pray for clarity and understanding. Continue to give the players patience. Um, allow them to show kindness and grace to family members. Lord, we want to ask that you be with the family of Elijah who passed away this week. Lord, that you would just comfort them as they just mourn the death of a child. Lord, it is difficult. I just pray that you would comfort them in the way that only you can, that there would be a good community around them to support them through that time. And Lord, as we turn to your word, I just ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truths, that you would allow us to continue to press in to what you have for us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, so shifting gears a little bit. These mornings where I kind of do everything up front, it seems redundant every time I get up here to say good morning again, but good morning. I hope that you had a good week. Uh, it's good to see you here this week, and I do have a correction from last week. Um, if you recall, I was so flabbergasted with um, Come Thou Fount being played right after we had talked about it, and I said, surely Michelle had to do that, but she reminded me that when we had met earlier in the week, she said, just remember, Dave was not here on Sunday. So Dave selected that. Again, it's one of those things where he wasn't here the previous Sunday. He didn't hear that, but that's God moving within the little things. It's so neat to see those as we hang on to those things because it gives us such a strong assurance in different ways. You know, he, he works in ways that make me laugh a lot. Uh, I had a few of those this week as well that just stop you in your tracks and it makes you pause to, ad to admire and just be in awe and wonder at who he is. But, you know, as we come here today, you know, we think about how we just got through the last sermon series on the gifts of the Spirit, kind of going through that section, those sections of Ephesians, Romans, and 1 Corinthians, taking more of an extended walk through 1 Corinthians in that area. Um, you know, with the stated objective in that series is to expand our understanding of the Holy Spirit, of the gifts, how he does and can work through us today in the church. You know, so many times in our Christian life, we find ourselves operating in our own strength, in our own power, rather than in the power of the Spirit, rather in the gifts of God that he has given us. And we just spin our wheels. We get frustrated. Now, if you recall, we began that series a year ago. And we talked about keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, talking more about the sanctified life. You know, and through this entire series, it's been fun. It's been challenging um, as you go through some of these controversial subjects and topics where, as a pastor, I have to try to articulate that. I have to stay faithful to what the Word of God says. And hopefully as we've gone through that, you've been able to wrestle through some of those issues in your own life, those concepts, those scriptures. It might be a little bit difficult. And, you know, as we wrestle through and as we go through a sermon series, we understand, you know, you can't always go as deep as you might want to on a Sunday. You get too bogged down in some things. So hopefully you take that and you continue to run through it in, in your personal devotional life. You know, these types of thoughts kind of springboard us as we explore uh, what it means to live in the sanctified life, what it means to live for Christ, to come together as a body even more. You know, and as I've been in prayer over this next sermon series, I felt the need to build off of what we've been exploring in the gifts a little bit and to continue to look at the early church, um, look at things that stood out for them, look at things that Paul and other writers in the New Testament remind them to be about. So, I mean, there will be some similarities to keeping in step with the Spirit, but there's going to be a different twist, and the focus is going to change a little bit. So as we start this series, I figured, why not start with the first church and understand uh, the very first summary that the Bible gives us. So if you have your Bibles, you can join me in Acts chapter 2. I do have the passage up on the screen. 
So we'll have that there as well. But in Acts chapter 2, it gives this summary at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what we see here is a summary of the first church. Um, we see even in the, the verse just ahead of it, in verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. So that's the first day. That's where Peter comes after the Pentecost and he preaches the gospel message and 3,000 people were added to the number of the disciples. You think we have space issues. Imagine adding 3,000 people to your numbers. The influx just would drive me crazy just trying to think about the logistics of all of that. But, you know, we have to understand within this time frame, there wasn't church buildings. Those didn't come around until about the third century. You know, they would meet at the temple, but all 3,000 of them? Maybe not. It says that they met in some homes. So generally speaking, they would probably have broken down into smaller segments, smaller units. I mean, you might have seen them go outside of the city limits, uh, out into the wilderness, similar to like um, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Depending on the landscape and how the acoustics would have been set up for somebody to be able to hear, I mean, 3,000 people is a lot of people when you think about it. They didn't have microphones. They didn't have sound systems and the sound boards up on the wall to deaden the reverberation and all of that kind of stuff. You know, when you think about what they were dealing with, they were dealing with the gospel message. They were dealing with their faith that they had in Jesus, and that's what was driving them forward. They didn't allow other things to hold them back. You know, so, I mean, it is believed that they might have broke up into some of these smaller groups based on languages, ethnicities, proximities within the city, things like that, to where you had more home churches that would be meeting throughout the week, and then you had more of the central location with the temple. But you had all of this familiarity, but they were all united under Christ. Again, faith in him as their Lord and Savior. You know, and as we look at this earliest church and the summary given, we can pick out a few things that they were about, that they practiced. From those things, we want to glean and maybe incorporate some of those things into our own life, into our own church body as well. Um, there are three areas I'm going to break this up into this morning. First, they kept close attention to the different ordinances, um, making sure that they were abounding in holiness, um, that the fellowship that they had with the communion with God, it was very important to them. The second thing was that they were loving to one another. They were very kind, very gracious, very generous. And third, God worked through them in ways to help them grow numerically and spiritually, as well as confirming their calling and election in order to advance the kingdom forward. So these are kind of the three areas that we're going to break this section down into today. Focusing on that first point, you know, they paid attention to all of these different things that are listed in verses 42 and 43. 42 primarily, and then it picks back up a little bit in 46, 47. You know, when, when we look at these things, um, we see how they are leaning on the apostles' teachings. They're coming together to hear the word of God. They're taking part in the Lord's Supper with those who are coming into faith. They're having these ordinances. Now, or an ordinance is a custom or a practice, a long-held tradition um, it is a, a Christian rite, R-I-T-E. For us, baptism in the Lord's Supper or communion are known as ordinances. Uh, we also would assume that with the new believers that they're all being baptized, as it says there in verse 41 up ahead, 
so they're practicing baptism as well. Now, just to give you a comparison, like with the Catholic Church, they celebrate what's called sacraments. Okay, so sacraments, there's seven of those that's five more than what we celebrate, but they believe a sacrament is a visible sign of grace, again, compared to a customer practice that's established by long use over time. So with these ordinances, it showed that their communion was with God and with each other. Their devotion was to what Jesus had taught them. You know, they seem to be practicing the Great Commission. You think of what that says in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you until the end of the age. You know, they were putting Jesus' commission into practice. The people would gather. They would hear stories of the life of Jesus from the apostles, those who walked with him. They would hear teachings from the Old Testament, most probably a lot from the prophets, to where they're making those connections of the prophecies of the Messiah to Jesus. And they're hearing that teaching. And the, the word says that they are devoting themselves to this teaching. Now, in the Greek, that term for devoted means, you know, single-minded, wholeheartedly uh, faithful, fidelity to a certain course of action, to a certain teaching. So within the early church, there was this steadfastness to God. There was this innocence that's not yet corrupted by the deceptive teachers. There's this innocence to what the apostles were teaching because what they were learning was the revealed word of God. What they were learning was from the Old Testament scriptures about the life of Jesus through this time. You know, you think about when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and how he walked those two disciples through the scriptures to show him where he was found. You know, they devoted themselves to that type of teaching. They also devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, when you look at that, notice the emphasis with the article that is there in the, in the verse. You know, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. So it's very specific. It's something that was important. It wasn't this abstract ideal. You know, fellowship, it's the term koinonia. It's a sacred bond. It's a precious bond that, that is being used here. They had this mutual affection towards each other. You know, when they, when they withdrew from the world, from this crooked generation to follow Jesus, they didn't become hermits. They didn't just lock themselves up. Instead, they, they <clears throat> devoted themselves to each other. They were very personable with each other. You know, when you saw one disciple, you would oftentimes see more. As the saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. It was the same thing with the Christians. I think of the Gospel of John and Jesus' prayer. Um, as he says, you know, how will you recognize? How will they recognize you? Well, they will recognize you by how you love one another. You know, so they were, again, actively doing this as they were meeting frequently. So the second part of these ordinances is that they met together frequently. Now, within this fellowship, they also broke bread together. Now, I believe that this is a combination of sharing meals and communion and the Lord's Supper together. Jesus says to do this in the remembrance of him. Paul takes that teaching a little bit further in 1 Corinthians 11. Every time you get together, do this. You know, ha break this bread together to remember what Jesus has done. You know, it was a central focus of why they were gathering, why they were meeting. They were focusing on the life of Christ. They were focusing on his death and resurrection. You know, so they shared meals together as a form of fellowship. They would take care of each other in case there was poverty among them. You know, and I wanted to give a practical illustration of koinonia today, so it's by no accident that we're having a potluck today to share a meal together. You know, this has been planned for a couple weeks. This message has been done for a couple weeks because as I saw where we were going, it just made sense. If you're going to be speaking about this, we should also take part in it. So as we get together today to celebrate Koinonia, as we celebrate the fellowship, we have opportunities. We have opportunities to get to know one another a little bit more. Now, I did bring some 
uh, table questions as icebreakers in case, you know, some of us might be shy. Some of us might not like to talk. So there's, there's things that are involved. There's ways that we can get to know each other because we are united by these things of Christ just as the early church was. We're united by what we believe in, and that brings us together. They're bound by this common goal. You know, when I think of fellowship, it's hard not to think of the fellowship of the ring. And you think of how that fellowship began, and by the end of the first book, it was pretty much dissolved. They all had to go their separate ways. But even by the end of the third book, the bonds that were made within that fellowship are still there. They're still strong. That's the strength of this term, fellowship, in koinonia. Another ordinance is that they kept to the discipline of praying. Think of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, as he says, pray without ceasing. Now, as I was reading this week, I saw a quote from Harry Ironside. He was a preacher at the Moody Church and a Bible teacher um, at some colleges. And he says this, he says, prayer is an expression of dependence. And when the people of God really feel their need, you will find them flocking together to pray. A neglected prayer meeting indicates very little recognition of one's true need. I thought that was pretty convicting. But we do see another definite article there in front of prayer. So we see how this is important, how it's specific. Really, that the understanding of prayer is deeper than just going to God with our requests. You know, if the fellowship was about communion with one another, prayer is about communion with God. To where the early church is about communion. According to Webster in 1828, communion is defined as intercourse and interchanges between two or three persons where there is a state of giving and receiving, agreement and concord. It is a mutual union in religious worship or in doctrine and discipline. So the point that we want to understand is the depth of the relationship that we are to have with the Father and with each other through these ordinances. This communion with the Father is brought about because of Jesus' death and resurrection, where he had restored that communion with the Father. It's an when we think about what he has done and how we can boldly approach the throne room of God. You know, it's, it's an honor, it's a joy to be able to partake in something like that. But of course, it would not even happen if it wasn't for Christ. Again, he is the centrality of our faith. You know, when we think about the communion, when we think about the fellowship that the early church had, they did it often. They lived their life marked by prayer and thanksgiving. It was a visible sign to those around them, the relationship that they had with God and with each other. It makes me think, what is visible in terms of our relationships? What is visible with our relationship with God? What is visible with our relationship with one another? The second point that we want to see within this body of the first church was their generosity. They had grace and charity, kindness and care, for all in the body. Here our focus is going to be on verses 44 and 45 where it says that they had all things in common, that they sold their possessions and they distributed to any who had need. Now this wasn't a form of socialism or communism. It wasn't compulsory, it wasn't mandatory that you had to sell all of your possessions. You know, you look at Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Peter tells them, it's yours to do with what you want. You simply lied to the Holy Spirit. That's what you're being judged for. So it wasn't something that was mandatory. No one was forced to sell their land just because they became a Christian. You know, here at Harvest Alliance, we believe that giving is between you and God. So we put our box on the back table. We don't pass things through the, the, the chairs. I almost said pews, force a habit. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always been that way to where it's between you and God in terms of what you're going to give. And we've always been generous in our tithing and our giving. You know, so much so that we would oftentimes at the end of the year give to other ministries within the area, give more to our missionaries at the end of the year. Um, you know, this phrase of how they had all things in common. 
they shared everything together. It's similar to like a potluck where everybody is bringing something to share with one another. What's mine is yours type of mentality. You know, and if you had need, simply ask. And people would ask not because they were jealous, not because of some desire or selfish want, but because it was a true need. You know, again, looking at that heart issue, but they were dealing with poverty within their fellowship. As you look at verse 35, or sorry, 45, um, it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know, so it seems like they had some sort of fund set up for charity, like benevolence fund, like what we have here at the church. Um, and, you know, when we look at that verse in particular, when we look at the context of what's going on, there's a lot of uh, outcomes, there's a lot of reasons for what's going on here. And I wanted to walk through a few of those with you. You know, they're selling their possessions, their goods. Some sold their land, their houses, their furniture, their livestock, and they divided this money up among the believers as everyone had need. Now, I believe one of the reasons for this is to prepare the church for the diaspora. That's the scattering that would happen when the Romans would come in and flatten the temple and just siege Jerusalem. Now you think about all of the land, all of the livestock and things like that. That would tie you down to where when that siege comes, it would be harder for you to leave. Also, that's probably 30 to 40 years in the future based on where they're at right now. So prices at this time are still pr pretty good. So they're getting a little bit more back for what they're going to be um, getting from selling that. It's like right now, how many of you want to go buy some farmland in Ukraine? Any takers? It's probably a pretty good deal right now, right? So that would have been their situation in 40 years where those possessions might have tied them down. It's also kind of like a Tower of Babel situation where Jesus gives the Great Commission, go, therefore, but we're just going to stick around and hunker down here in Jerusalem for a little bit. Well, the diaspora makes you scatter. It makes you go. And you take the gospel with you in that regard. You know, when you think about um, the other areas and issues that they would have had going in, on in their life, as you became a Christian, you're basically saying, I'm taking off my Jewish heritage. So you're going to be shunned by your family. If you owned a business, you probably wouldn't have a lot of sales going on because people would shun you. So as they're selling these proceeds, they're also dealing with a lot of poverty that's going to be going on. And they're going to be selling things that they're not going to be able to use as much anymore because people aren't going to buy their goods. Um, they're going to instead use their stuff for the church, for the, the, this new way that is coming about. Um, Another thing is, just as in every single generation since Jesus died, since this first church, they had the mentality that Jesus is coming back, like next week. So let's just get ready for him to return and then usher in his kingdom. You know, there's always been this sense of imminence in terms of the return of Christ within the believers. So there's a lot of factors that are at play within this generosity. You know, it, it's very commendable, their ability to rise above the worldly standards, to sell off their possessions, to love their brothers and sisters in Christ, to show compassion to the poor, to have this great zeal for the encouragement of Christianity and its spread to move forward. You know, you think of the teachings that Jesus gave on generosity and selling off of their possessions. Think of the young, rich young ruler where he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. You think of the apostles who gave up everything that they had, their businesses, their family lives, things like that, and they came and they followed Jesus. And they even asked him, Jesus, when are we going to get repaid? What's our reward? You know, your reward's coming. You know, like I said last week, Matthew 6, do not store for yourselves treasures here on earth, but instead store for yourselves treasures in heaven. You think of all of these teachings and how the apostles are leading by example. You know, um, Jesus makes the teachings about making sure that you're taking care of those that are above you. 
Paul continues that, you know, do not muzzle the ox as he's treading the grain. So you think how some of this uh, benevolence type fund or what they're collecting is going to help support the apostles and their endeavors as well. So the general rule when it comes to being generous um, is to give according to how God has blessed you. You know, the Bible gives off 10% as a tithe, but there's many ways in which we give in which we're generous, whether that's with our money, whether that's with our time, our talents, our resources. You know, having a generous heart and a mindset that follows that was very evident in the early church, and it's something that we need to be about as well. You know, when it comes to our own forms of generosity, where are, where are our hearts? Where, what is our mindset about for that? Now, the third point this morning is to see how God helped them grow and confirmed his message, their calling, and their election. This could be seen in verses 43 as the signs and wonders being done through the apostles and in verse 47, how many are being added to their numbers day by day. You know, um, again, this is just a summary that's given, so we're not given a lot of those specifics, but if, as you read through the rest of Acts, you begin to see those acts of power that are happening. You get to see those being described and how awe is coming upon the people, and they're believing the words that are said by the apostles because these acts of power are confirming what they're saying. You think of uh, Mark 16, verse 20, that says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed their message by accompanying signs. You know, people would hear the gospel message and they would see the healings. They would see the exorcisms. They would see prison walls crumbling. They would see dead people being raised from the dead. And they would believe what they're hearing is true, that it's coming from God because of the accompanied power. But the heart of their message was not in the acts of the power. The heart of their message was in the power of the cross because of the forgiveness of their sins through what Jesus has done. Jesus became the sacrifice that permanently paid for their sins. That was the power that they were talking about. That was the power that they were conveying in the gospel message. You know, the Lord is giving them power to work miracles was not all that he did for them. He also added to their number to the church daily. So through their mouths, they did wonders through the conviction of the Holy Spirit by spreading the gospel message. And God blessed their endeavors to increase the number of believers. You know, it's God's work to add souls to the body. And that relieves some of the pressure from us as believers to think, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, I have to go out and save every person that I talk to. That's the wrong mentality. Because you don't do the saving. Christ does. You have to pay attention and listen and go when he says go and speak when he says speak. Sometimes you're going to be planting a seed. Sometimes you're going to be watering. Sometimes you get to harvest. And those are wonderful times, but all of those times are needed. So we need to be able to discern based on the communion that we have with the Father and the fellowship that we're having with the body as well. You know, the pressure is on us to do what God asks, to go where he says to go and to do what he says to do. And with this church growth that's happening, it's new conversions. It's the gospel message that's going out because there isn't a first, second, third reformed or Baptist church just down the road. There's only one church at this point in time. It's just one faith in Christ. You know, with the apostles and the disciples going out, they're going out and they're evangelizing. They're sharing the word of God. They're sharing the story of Jesus with glad and generous hearts. They're praising God for the people to see and respond. So for us today, when we look at these ordinances, when we look at these disciplines that are practiced by the early church, we can measure how we're practicing those same things. Are we listening to the apostles' teaching? How is our prayer life? How is the fellowship? You know, I've pushed, I've been pushing for stronger, more authentic fellowship within the body for a while. And it can be hard at times with busy schedules and trying to get together with people. We get that. But, you know, as you live life together with other believers, the complexities of life, the burdens that we face can be shared. The load can be spread out 
to where we have other people coming alongside to pray for us, to lift us up when those times are hard. You know, many people just kind of want things to fall in their laps and things just to, just to happen. But it takes some intentionality. It takes a little bit of courage to be that first person to speak up. You know, if everybody is shy and nobody wants to talk, then no talking happens. I mean, I, I would say we're probably about 60 to 70% introverts here, I would say. It's just those loud, boisterous ones sometimes that are a little bit louder than others to make it seem like we're all extroverts. But let me share a secret. We're all nervous about talking to each other. We're all nervous about opening up and being honest with each other. Because what if they really knew? Would they still like me? But you know that part of the fellowship is understanding grace is understanding forgiveness, is being vulnerable. Love is vulnerable, and it's hard. So I encourage you to be the first person to speak. To be courteous. To be welcoming. And no, not everybody's going to become your new best friend. That's okay. Sometimes you just have people that you gel with. But you know, we want to improve our fellowship because we share that common bond in Christ. He is what brings us together in this body. He is our main connection to one another. As far as generosity goes, like I said, we have been a very generous church, and I want to commend us in that. Even as times get hard, even with inflation, giving is still good. Uh, we are a generous church. Leadership is aware of the struggles, and we definitely have a benevolence fund that's set aside to help in those times. Um, you know, as, as things happen, allow the church to come alongside. You know, communicating those needs is important so that the needs have an opportunity to be met. You know, if we don't know that you need help, we can't always help. But the church is set up that way. And we can tangibly see giving that happens in the church because our treasurers put that in the bulletin for us as updates each week and we can see how our giving is and that's good but I know that there's a lot of giving that happens that we don't see there's a lot of generosity within this body as you you know volunteer and you serve in different places like Assure Women's Center homeless shelters food banks and things like that and honestly hearing those types of things is a wonderful testimony because it encourages encourages all of us to want to get out there and serve and it might offer an invitation um, just as Esther shared this morning about helping out with the Good News Club this summer it's just another opportunity another way that we can plug in to serve a community helping with the school lunch uh, program that's going to be going on this next school year a way to help uh, come alongside Lynn and pack those bags put in a track that are going to be given to the kids in the school systems you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can help. Opportunities don't always arise within the church. But as we see things in the community, we have a heart that steps up and fixes that problem. And again, I want to commend you in that because you guys are doing well. Um, but again, we want to see how we can continue to instill those values within the church and encourage one another in that area. And as we share in that generosity... As we're disciplined in the word, in prayer, and in fellowship, God can work through us as his hands and feet to minister to those around us. He can work through us to magnify his name with the gospel message through acts of service, to plant seeds in people's hearts, to water those seeds, or to harvest when they are ripe. You know, we have such a high calling as a church to represent God well, to represent the gospel message. And there are certain things that we can always improve upon. And there's certain things that always just stand out as a church. Are we aware of what is visible within this body? Are we aware of what we look like in terms of what's important, what stands out to us? You know, as we look at some of these other churches through this series, we're going to see some of those differences. We're going to see what Paul and the other authors are calling people to do, to be about. 
know, so even as we come and we meet 2,000 years later and formats change, songs change, and how we meet changes, we're still rooted in Christ. We still have things that are important to us as a body. So I just want us to reflect on how our communion is with each other and with God this morning. We want to see how God is, is working through us and in us to advance his kingdom within our communities. You know, the goal of the early church was not just to be a club. It wasn't to be a monastery, to shut up and just be closed off from the world. We were given a great commission for a reason. We were told to go evangelize and spread the gospel message because it is only through Christ that the world can experience salvation. So again, we have a high calling and a very important responsibility. But we want to understand that it is the Lord who does the work through us. He is the one that will add to our numbers daily as we listen and proclaim his name, as we proclaim his truths instead of our own. So let's pray. Father, as we think about the early church and just the different things that they went through, the different changes, the highs and the lows uh, of seeing you die and just being so depressed through all of that time, but then seeing your resurrected body, Lord, the joys that they had with that, and then being filled with the Spirit to go in boldness to declare your truths. Father, to continue on with the fellowship and the communion with one another and prayer and communion with you. Lord, there's simple things that can happen in our lives that need to happen as disciplines, as ordinances, as customs that we need to be about. And I pray that you would put those, that importance in our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for your truth today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.